was thinking about this weekend, this date, right? January 15th is the actual birthday of Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Took a little bit of time to kind of reflect on it a little bit because as a, as a child, you know, when they tell you to do black history reports, the name that's always at the top of the list is Martin Luther King Jr. As a child, I didn't like Martin Luther King Jr. that much. He was a little too pristine for me. He was a great guy. But all the books I read were very pristine, very whitewashed. I knew some great guys that were not perfect. I knew some men that had scars. And so I had a problem with Dr. King. I had a teacher that gave me a book by the late James Cone. James Cone wrote a book entitled Martin and Malcolm and America, The Dream or the Nightmare. A very interesting look at both Dr. King and Malcolm X. A comparison and contrast, if you will. To see two men who both were fathered by Baptist preachers, who were preachers in their own right, who both had the same goals of black community involvement, black economics, different ways to go about them. Malcolm's trajectory changed a little bit because his father was killed. Martin had what we could essentially say the perfect knit family. But my teacher allowed me to take that book and as I got a little bit older I ran across a, a guy by the name of Michael Eric Dyson who also has written a lot of books on Dr. King. Between Cone and Dyson, I was able to realize that King was a man, a flawed individual, an individual that had hurts and pains that were not unlike our own, that most of us don't even know that he was not born Martin, that he was actually born Michael. And it wasn't until he was two years old that his father decided to change both their names. Interesting. Interesting to even find out that in his teenage years, he suffered with depression. That he even tried to commit suicide after losing his grandmother. That's not the king that we, we talk about too much. The guy that loved to dress in his hometown in Atlanta, he was so clean, his homeboys called him Tweed. Because he loved to dress up. Oftentimes, we talk about how he entered college at 16, but we don't talk about that King was just an average student. See average. Brilliant mind, not so great at taking tests. We all know people just like that. We still live in a school system that has standardized testing. Something that you can do, I might can do just as well, but the test may not show it up. had some problems with Martin. Then I got to really understand his story. This, this cool, clean brother, when he first met Coretta, she told him to take your little short self on up the street. I don't care who you is or who you think you is. 
That's what Corona said. But King decided to continue doing what he's doing. Think about King when he first took over the first church in Montgomery, Alabama. And to think that he became the head of the Montgomery Improvement Association just by default. The old minister decided to just throw his name up in the hat because he was the new kid on the block. And they said if anybody was going to fall flat on their face, it might as well be the new kid. King didn't want to answer the phone call. He just happened to be in the room and just had to say, okay. And even when he got the call from Rosa Parks, King wasn't really sure about how this thing was really going to work out. Let's not forget the Montgomery boycott was really intended for two weeks. It lasted a little bit over a year, but it was really intended for two weeks. I want to talk about a flawed individual. Because as I got older, that's the king that I began to realize I like. The king that loves some deep southern food, some fried chicken and some, some greens every time after he preached. And he had to have a little cigarette afterwards. That, that was the king I was cool. I, I, I thought I, I could fool with that, that Martin right there. The Martin who struggled with how is this thing really going to work out? Who thought that in the realm of things that he would just take this little church over in, in Montgomery and then end up taking over his father's church in Atlanta. That was what his plan was. It's amazing how God can change some things. The king that his last speech in Memphis, he wasn't, he didn't even go. It was storming, it was raining, and as some great preachers are, every preacher want to see a full house. So King had told Ralph and them, well, it's raining, ain't nobody going to show up, you can have it, Ralph. I'll be all right. Ralph Abernathy pulls up to the, the Charles Mason Temple and sees that there's a line outside the door. Runs to the payphone and says, Martin, they here to see you, brother. You got to get up on out the bed. And come, if, if you ever watch the speech, Abernathy gives a very long and eloquent introduction. People find it that it's so amazing, but he was really trying to let his homeboy come up with something on the side. That's what good friends do. Just giving him a enough time to get himself together. I ain't even in my text, but I'm in my text. Golly, thank you, God. Because this morning I want to talk about a flawed individual. I want to talk about a brother by the name of David, a flawed individual. I, I, I want to take you to a point in David's life that we oftentimes miss. We, we either remember the little boy David that killed Goliath, or we remember King David. But we oftentimes miss the David that was still becoming. We oftentimes forget that there was, some scholars say, 15 to 20 years from the time that David was anointed and from the time that David took over the throne. 20 years is a long time. And so this morning, if you can turn to your text with me, to the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 30. 
1 Samuel chapter 30. I want to read verses 1 through 8. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Nagab and against Ziklag. And they had overcome Ziklag or destroyed Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all of the people were bitter in their souls, each for their own sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? God answered and said, pursue. For you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. I want to come from the subject this morning. It's yours. Go get it. Dear Heavenly Father, hide me behind your cross. I've done the work. Now I'm waiting on you to show up. Touch my heart and my mind. Allow me to do as you see fit. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's yours. Go get it. It's yours. Go get it. I'm going to just say that one more time because somebody might need to hear that this morning. It's, it's yours. Go get it. It's here in this moment that we find David. Not King David, but a David who is still becoming at this point in his life. At this time, we find a David that has, like so many of us, when you are not where you thought you would be, you decide to take a few matters into your own hands. I know I'm not the only one that, that when, when God sometimes tells me to, to turn left, I'm like, I know the shortcut, God. Let, let me turn right. It's, it's this David at, at this point in his life has already seen some, some mountains. Because this is David that, that went from the fields to his father even forgot he was out there. And now had been anointed king. This David that ran up on a Philistine by the name of Goliath. Because you ain't going to talk about my God and my people like that. This David that 
even the king decided to, to make him his son-in-law. That now David has went from being out there chilling with the chief to now he's in the king's palace. David. That the Bible doesn't describe a whole lot of people in detail, but it does give you a very summary description of David. It tells you that he had a ruddy complexion. He had beautiful eyes and that he was handsome. When you find out the word ruddy just really means that he was a red complexion brother, I say, oh man, I know him. That's red. That, that's what we call him. That's, that's red. Some people might be Chicago red. They do Malcolm X, Detroit red, but we'll just call David red. I, I say, David, that brother, don't bring your girl around David because he got pretty eyes and he handsome. And he already knows who he is. This, this David that we're talking about isn't the David that will send his guards to go get you. No, this David will run up on you himself. That's the David we're talking about right now. Because now after David was in the king's palace, all of a sudden the king's heart changes. And now David is on the run. Every day and every night David is worried about what King Saul is going to do. David's best friend is King Saul's son. And even Jonathan can't save him. David is now on the, the run. And what makes it so sad, what begins to make his story show you how life can unravel on all of us is that now David has sided with the Philistines. The very same Philistines that just a few chapters before the people of Israel sung about David. They said Saul killed a thousand, but David killed 10,000. And now David is knocking on their door. You know, they say the enemy of my friend is my friend. So now David has taken up with the Philistines. I, I believe that at this moment in life, David is all shook up. Because so many chapters before, we see a David that is inquiring of God what to do. Just like us. We're fine with inquiring with God what to do next as long as what's going next benefits us. As long as what's happening next is putting us on the right trajectory to accomplish the things we feel like we're supposed to accomplish. But now David finds himself hemmed up and backed up and has to join with the Philistines. And this David here is, is, is not all peaches and cream either because where David lives, he raids other places and he kills everybody. So there are no witnesses. And he tells the Philistines that he's running back and forth and raiding his own people. And so the Philistines are about to go into battle. And those very Philistines remind themselves, is this not the same David that killed Goliath? Is this not the same David they were just singing songs about? Say, David, we believe you with us, but we just going to let you go on back home just in case. Hate to be in a battle with somebody that I think's on my side and they turn and flip on the other side. Just in case, David, you can go on back home. And so that's where we see David and his men are coming back to their camp in Ziglag. And now some of those bad seeds that David has sown are coming back to him. Because the, the very people that he's been raiding and killing have raided his own camp. His own camp is now burning. And nobody is in there. 
David finds himself in utter distress. I think that can be like all of us at certain points in our life where we find ourselves removed from the will of God and now we're trying to figure out how to fix some things up ourselves. I, I don't know about you, but I can only surmise that David, as they were walking up and smelling the burning smoke, that David thought in his mind that he just can't win for losing. That, that I can surmise in my mind that David is probably thinking, this is not what I signed up for at all. I, I could probably surmise in my mind that even at this point, David is saying, God, this is not what you told me would happen. I believe that's like us on this journey of life at times. That, that sometimes all the boxes don't get checked off in chronological order. That, that sometimes we find ourselves in places or in spaces that we thought we would not be. Sometimes we find ourselves in places or spaces that we thought we had moved away from. Eating Roman noodles at 35, you thought that was just a 25-year-old thing. Trying to figure out how to pay this bill if you're going to pay that bill before you pay this bill. Got to check them dates. I know I ain't the only one to be like, how many days I got so I can change this date here real quick? The 28th, let's move it to the 1st. You find yourselves in places that you thought you had moved past. I know, I'm, I know I'm not the only one that thought I would be a certain place at 35. There are some people that think they should be at certain places at 50. Even some at 60. And David finds himself in the same situation. And it's amazing that the very people that can travel with you, that can go along the journey, that know your story, can sometimes be the people that want to kill you too. David is walking with a band of folk that know who David is. That they've been on the run with David. That they have fought in every battle that David has fought in. And if their people and David's people gone, the text says that David's wives are gone too. But there are people with him that are talking about stoning. I think about the Reverend King, who, even in this place, was part of the National Baptist Convention. And preachers, other preachers, told him he should not be talking about that stuff. That that's not what we're here to do. To think about, there were preachers even in this city now, that closed their doors and turned their back on King. The more I read, the more I understood about King and his own moral convictions. Who gave 85 to 90% of what he earned back to the movement. Whose father paid his bills and Harry Belafonte paid his bills. That scene in Selma where Coretta asked him about keeping some of that money at least to put down on the house. That's real. Kings whose, whose own moral convictions would not allow him to take a dime. King, who wrote the letter from the Birmingham jail 
that when you realize it was not a single op-ed piece, that he had to sneak out little pieces of notes to his lawyers so they could put it all together. But the very people that sometimes want to be with you and walk with you while you're looking good are the very people sometimes that want to kill you when things go bad. Smith did not like Reverend King. They just called him the Lord. The Lord is what they called him. Because they thought he only showed up with camera crews. Which was true. But that was also part of his operation of how he worked. Because he knew that the only way for America to change is it had to see its reflection in the mirror. And so we're here with David, who is struggling right now, who has his own despair about his own people, and now he's got to worry about the very folk he just walked up the hill with. But one thing I love about David is that the Bible tells us that David had to encourage himself. If I can just plant a tent right here just for a moment that I, I just want to remind everybody parenthetically that at some points in your life, you got to be reminded or you have to remind yourself of who you are. That, that, that at some point in your life, you have to be able to shake off all of the foolishness around you, look in the mirror and say who you are. I don't know if they still do children like this, but I remember as a little boy, my father reminded me that my name is Otis Clifford Hodges Jr. And that everything I do is a reflection on him. So my father wanted me to know that my name was Otis Clifford Hodges Jr. Because everything you do is a reflection on me. I had to remind my son too that your name is Otis Clifford Hodges III. And everything you do is a reflection on me. And, and I think that, that David had to look at himself in the mirror and had to remind himself of who he was. I, I, I think that David had to, to, to pause out on time just for a little bit and had to say, am I not David? A am I not the one that killed the lion and the bear? Am I not that David? Am I not Jesse's son, David? Am I, am I not the one that killed Goliath with just stones in my pocket? I'm that David. Am I not the David that just a little while ago they were singing songs about me? I'm that David. I'm just here to remind somebody of who you are this morning. One of my favorite scenes on Black Panther is, is when his sister yells out, remember who you are. Because sometimes when you have forgotten who you are, you think that the foolishness around you is supposed to exist. That sometimes when you, when you realize who you really are, you realize that you control the outcome of things. That, that's where, where David is. I, I believe that maybe at this point, Cedric, that David might have looked down and said, I, I think I wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> and, and, I, and I don't have to want for anything. I think David had to remind himself that he was that type of, of penman. I, I think that, that Psalms 118 and 6, David had to be reminded that the Lord is with me. 
and I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I believe that if David was in 2018, David would probably say, I ain't never scared. David had to remind himself of who he was. And then David had to remind himself of who God was in his life. Because David said that, that it was me that killed the lion and the bear, but God was with me. <laughs> David said that it was me that took down Goliath, but God was with me. David said that it was me that killed 10,000 Philistines, but God was with me. I, I don't know about what you may be struggling with, what you may be going through, but I'm just here to remind somebody that God has been with you. No matter where you are in life, God has been with you. No matter how hard you think you've fallen, God has been with you. No matter where you think you may be right now at this point in your life, that God has been with you. David reminded himself of who he was, of who God was to him. And after, after David got himself in a little groove, because you know when you begin to remind yourself of really how good, how cool you are, it makes you feel a little something about yourself. Every now and again, you gotta, you gotta rub your own shoulders off. Every now and again, your swag gotta be just for yourself. Every now and again, you gotta dress up just for you. You gotta look good, not for nobody else, but just so you can be reminded, I am all of that and a little bag of chips, what not. So I like that David had to remind himself of who he was. That like us, we have to remind ourselves of how God has kept us. Even in those times when we don't think we are where we're supposed to be. That God is still with you. Even when you work in a job that you know ain't even up to snuff what you're supposed to be doing. But, but God is with you. Even when, when the job is below the degrees you have on the wall, that God is still with you. David reminded himself of who he was and who God was to him, and David called the priest over. And this, this is one of my favorite parts because David said, Abiathar, bring me the ephod. <laughs> I know you might not understand, but... but you have to understand in the context that this is that the only person who was supposed to have a direct connection with God was the priest. Yes, yes, yes. And now David is telling the priest, give me your jacket, give me your coat, I'll talk to God myself. I don't, I don't think some of y'all really quite understand exactly what I'm trying to do or what I'm trying to say. Because some of y'all still waiting on pastor to call you back. Talking about you need some prayer. Some of y'all waiting for somebody to come and say a word to you. Thinking that's going to make you better. But I'm here to tell a few of y'all that sometimes you just got to come on up to the altar. Whether you're being asked to or not. That sometimes you got to remember the altar is always open. That David had to tell, I, I don't need you priest right now. I'll go talk to him myself. I, I got enough 
built up where I can go holler at God and God can speak back to me. And we have to remember that sometimes. That I don't have to wait on the preacher. I don't have to wait on the deacon. I don't have to wait on a minister. That I can call him up all by myself. That I can go speak to God and God will speak back to me. I'm not trying to be here long. I'm just trying to be here just for a little bit. Because I'm trying to remind somebody that it's already yours. All you got to do is get up and go get it. That you might have fell down on some rough patches in life. But all you have to do is get up and go get it. David said, Abiathar, give me the ephod. And, and David did what David always does. See, because that's what happens when you remind yourself of who you are and who God is. Is you begin to do the thing that you were doing anyway. So David got back to doing what he used to do. He got back to inquiring of the Lord. David said, God, should I run up on these jokers? God said, David, it's gone ahead. It's yours. Go back and take it. That's all I'm trying to tell somebody here this morning. Is wherever life may have you at right now in 2019, the word this morning is it's yours. Get up and get it. It's yours. Go back and take it. It's yours. Go home and get it. I, I'm already done with this sermon. I just want to leave you with a little bit of a story. Y'all can just stand on up. Because I'm ready to go home, Hank. But I remember in the summers how my mother would drop me off at my aunt's house. Because my older cousins would babysit us. But I had three older cousins that were 10, 8 to 10 years older than I. And they loved to roughhouse, Eric. You got a bunch of brothers. You know how it is when you're the youngest. I'm eight. They 16 and 18. I'm just hoping I can survive long enough for mama to pick me up. Used to tell my parents every day, man, I think this might be child abuse. My dad say, no, nah, they love you. But I remember one afternoon we went up to the basketball court because you know I had to go wherever they went. And I went up to the basketball court and I can't play basketball with the big, with the big boys. So I had to go take my little ball over here with some cats that were my age. And, and I remember B.J. Thompson is a buddy of mine now. But I remember he punched me and took my ball and went on to the other side of the court. My cousin Warren came over and he said, what's wrong? Say he took my ball. He said, go get it. He took my ball. I remember my cousin Warren telling me, I'm going to have to paraphrase it for y'all a little bit. But he said, he said, OJ, you my cousin. You a Hodges, OJ. We don't play that foolishness. He said, you better get up and go get that ball or you got to worry about me. I ain't even going to front. I got my tail up. I came back with that ball and a little bit of swag, too. So I'm just here to tell somebody here this morning that all you have to do is be reminded of who you are and who God is and get up and get what's yours.